and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week we are looking at the theme of identity in Avatar Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. So since this is our first episode discussing identity, how do you define identity? I think when I think about identity, I'm thinking about things that I identify with, things that I resonate with, Hmm. things that are a part of making up who I am as a person, but not just who I am as a person, but who I am as a person operating in the world, operating in this society that categorizes people and things all the time. So I think while it identifying in certain ways can definitely be helpful. Sometimes they can maybe be confining Mm -hmm. in other ways. So yeah, there's kind of big identity ideas. And then there's also maybe some smaller things that people identify with. For example, like race would be a big one Mm -hmm. that... Not always, but oftentimes people can tell from first meeting you when they don't know anything else about you versus something like, you know, maybe for you, it could be like a game, being a gamer or something where people don't just like look at you and know unless you like have a t-shirt that's basically I'm a gamer. Mm. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that you hit on a really important point of identity is part of how you operate within society and how identity can be something that you choose or it can be something that is chosen for you in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you are a feminine presenting person, then you can choose how to enact your femininity. But in some ways, society is going to judge you based off the way it perceives you or many people in society. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely the case with race. And that's absolutely the case with all sorts of different kinds of things. And so... I think it's interesting to see, you know, when are there identities within people or within characters that are chosen and when are there ones that they feel are more put upon them? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I guess we should get into our quote for this episode. So this quote comes from the 20th episode of the first season, which is called The Siege of the North, Part 2, and Zuko has captured Aang and they're both in this cave and Zuko's talking about his experience growing up and saying how his dad has said that his sister Zula was born lucky but he was lucky to be born. I don't need luck though. I don't want it. I've always had to struggle and fight and that's made me strong. It's made me who I am. Oh Zuko. Yeah I think that this line and this whole scene is so such a great way to end the first season of Zuko's arc mm-hmm. where we see him talking about who he is in a way that is based off of the circumstances of his life and the things mm-hmm. that he's had to go through and the way they have changed him and altered him in certain ways and why he has hounded the avatar but while why he also that same episode turns against Admiral Zhao and I think that that's just if you were watching this for the first time and you didn't realize that Zuko is going to be a really interesting character, <laughs> if you didn't know by then, that would for sure put it over the edge mm-hmm. because I think his 
inner monologue about himself is tragic and fascinating and it makes me so sad and yet it's also so human to see him thinking of himself as defined by something that he says makes him strong but also makes him lonely that also makes him cut off from community that also sets him aside from others and i think that that is also one of the things that uh is really important about his journey yeah yeah for sure and i love how it's not my identity is that i am the prince of the Mm. fire nation it's yeah about what he's been through and how it's not just about the expectations or the assumptions that other people make about him but his identity is who he thinks he is and who he's worked and fought and struggled to become Mm -hmm. and this line here is really the arc for his entire journey throughout the series yeah that makes sense well what character did you bring to discuss identity in avatar so i wanted to talk about amon from the legend of korra the first season villain because i think he's really interesting in terms of identity first of all his dad tried to force him to be someone he wasn't Mm. and because of that experience he then you know decided later to build his entire identity around removing bending from the world yet in pursuing that goal he crafted an identity that was based on lies Mm. his whole narrative about who he was and how a bender had attacked him and killed his family and left him scarred that was all lies yet so many others were really motivated and activated because of that identity and that experience but that wasn't his actual experience and it could have been different because he did have a terrible experience Mm -hmm. and you could talk about that to him be like this is too dangerous we should take this away but that's not what he chose to do and So through his equalizing movement, he also prevented anyone from actually knowing his true identity and who he really was. So yeah, I think it's it's just such an interesting process of why he made certain decisions. And some of them, we don't know why he made them. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, in the end... He's taking bending away from many people, and a lot of them felt like part of their identity was taken away through that process. So, yeah, I kind of feel like he's all mixed up in different types of identities and how they uh, inform and influence actions and on the, like, personal and, like, larger scale. Yeah, and it's interesting because his decision to portray a non-bender who has been attacked... Mm-hmm. is in and of itself a kind of commitment to identity as the source of his power. That mm-hmm. he is able to lead these people, not because of his ability to take away bending, which is important, but it's part of his bending, right? It's it's yeah. not because of that. It's not because of his charisma. It's because he exemplifies this identity that is unreal, but that he uses as the main kind of way to build support well and also interestingly like he's appropriating that identity Mm. he has 
a ton of power, yet he's saying that he doesn't so that other people without power will follow him. Yeah, that's so true. And I wish that there was more that we heard about kind of the chi blocking that they do. Mm -hmm. And was that something that he himself learned to help him maintain this identity? Did he get a master, a martial arts master who knew that and brought them in and had them train those soldiers? Because that to me was always, I think, such an interesting and, and cool part of his force that they had this training regimen, apparently, of getting people who can do these attacks and keep up with benders. But he doesn't go the route of choosing to at least... Uh, I mean, do we see him use that himself? I don't think we do, right? I'm not sure. I know that he, like, Korra goes to, you know, meet him on Avatar Aang's island mm-hmm. thing, and he makes her pass out. So I don't I don't know if it was because of that, or, I mean, obviously that could be bloodbending. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I think that's interesting that he didn't take that on as his kind of power himself, right? The way that he was trying to use it to empower some of his forces, but... I mean, I, I do understand it's a hard sell. Like, people can bloodbend and do horrific things with it. I can do that, and I'm going to use it to, like, help the situation, <laughs> you know? It's a little bit of a hard sell. Absolutely. Not to say that it's taking, you know, lying to all these people and taking a different identity of a community you don't actually belong to, you know, not to say that that actually um, is right. Yeah, I think, I think he's a very interesting character and one of the most interesting villains I think either series has. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, what about your plot point? I wanted to talk about Aang and Korra's difficulty with certain types of bending. Mm. Because... With Korra, for example, someone who is from the Water Tribe, but who is also brash and impulsive and aggressive. For her, it wasn't just that she couldn't do firebending because it was the opposite element. Mm-hmm. She was fine with that because she already had those personality traits, right? <laughs> yeah. Airbending was the one that she found difficult, and that's because she's not good at being non-aggressive and... Meditating. Meditating, <laughs> calm, maneuvering, you know, that's that's not her personality. And so for her, that became something that was really difficult. And I think it's really interesting for her to have this kind of block against this bending type based off of who she is. Because she does try to put in the work of meditating and doing these different techniques and skills that Tenzin's trying to put her through and get her to have but they just don't work for her in many cases partially i think because she's also impatient and brash and not calm (laughs) which are all the opposite of Mm -hmm. airbending (laughs) Mm -hmm. but part of it is, is that she's not willing to give up that identity she believes that being aggressive and brash is the best way to get things done and she doesn't, I think, really want to kind of get rid of that. And that's something that she struggles with. With Aang, you know, his initial difficulty is with Earth, which is the opposite element for him. But he also really exemplifies the culture of the air nomads, Mm -hmm. right? He is someone who is defensive and maneuverable and calm and... Defensive. Defensive rather than offensive, right? He is someone who uses his airbending not to attack, but to defend and to escape, really. Yeah. And so 
I think that that is something that's different than earthbending, which is much more about focused control and manipulation. Well, it's about standing your ground and meeting something head on. And airbenders are like, I'm just going to jump over here and fly away. Exactly. (laughs) But I also like how Aang also has trouble learning firebending. And that's not, I think, because of a natural aspect of his personality as much as it is based off of his experiences with it, where Mm -hmm. his first time he firebends, he hurts Katara. And he puts a block in place and he says it out loud that he won't firebend ever again because of its destructive capabilities. And that is not who he wants to be. It's not that he doesn't have that power and he thankfully rarely has that kind of aggression, except for when he's in the Avatar state. But I think that it's so powerful and one of the great things about Aang and his compassion that he chooses not to want to utilize this technique that's based off of passion and aggression and and anger. I really appreciate that. And I think that uh, it's not just that he came from a culture of that, which I think is also important and, and it's one of the great things about Aang, but it's also that he exemplifies that and that's a choice that he makes. And it's so crucial to his characterization with, you know, all the way up to his fight against Ozai. And yeah, I just think it's really cool to see a character who not only has struggles with learning skills based off of kind of his identity, but also who he wants his identity to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, did you have a compelling question for me? I do. So I'm wondering what characters you think struggle with their identity the most. Interesting. I mean, Zuko is an obvious choice, Mm -hmm. as we've discussed ad infinitum. But I think that it's also really important to see him as someone who also has to make a choice and the choices he makes can change over time but are in large part based off of who he wants to be and whether that is you know what what side of his family that's with as we discussed in our family episode and all these other kinds of things so Zuko is definitely someone who comes to mind I think that Sokka also struggles with his identity a little bit as the oldest in Team Avatar and the only non-bender until Suki joins them. He, I think, also feels like this need to be the one who makes the plans and who provides and who, you know, does these other kinds of things that he can do as a way of performing that identity. Who are you thinking? Yeah, I was thinking about him a bit. Yeah, how he struggles with not being a bender and that causing him to not feel useful in ways that the other characters are in certain situations or crises and then I think also he struggles with ideas of toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. and how how Suki is identified as a warrior and a woman and how that seems to at the beginning he feels like it's a threat on his identity yeah and then also with being the person that his dad would be proud of. So mm. he needs to be able to be a good public speaker. He needs to prove that, yeah, he's come up with these really great plans and can be a strategist. You know, my dad left me in charge and to help defend the Southern Water Tribe. So, like, I have to be this. And, yeah, I think it's interesting because all of those things are about other people. Mm. Like, he, him comparing himself to other people instead of his identity starting inward and coming outward, it's almost like 
the outward affects how he feels about his own identity and if he's comfortable with it or not. Yeah, that's very true. I was also thinking about Toph because while she's very secure and confident in who she is in general as a character, when they meet her, they meet the blind bandit and then they go to her house and see this submissive daughter who's in these like dresses and her parents are super overprotective Mm -hmm. and thinks she's delicate and so she even though she's confident in who she is she basically runs away because she didn't even feel like she could show her parents who she really was Mm. so that would indicate in some ways that she wasn't completely comfortable with her identity because even if she was fine with who she was, if she thought that it would cause her parents to be upset, then to tell them would be to kind of go against being a good daughter or something like that, the idea of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely something that would be interesting to see reconciled more. Uh, maybe if we, as we go through the graphic novels, we'll see something about that, but I think mm. it's really a point. Well, I was wondering... Based off of some conversations that you and I have had about how some people, i.e. me, are more flexible in our personalities. We are people who can merge with other people and who often can adapt and change kind of the aspects of our personalities that we exemplify based off the people that we're around. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering who you saw in Avatar as having the most flexible personalities. Hmm. I think Bolin does that yeah he goes from being a pro bender you know and doing that with his brother to being a part of team avatar to being in movers to having eska as his girlfriend and who orders him around (laughs) and tells him when he can leave and such and i think once he gets to Suyin City, he wants to be able to be a metal bender, but he can't be a metal bender. But as soon as he can be a lava bender, he like completely leans into that and is excited about it and fine with it. Also, when he meets some of his family members, just like, oh, let's join in, you know, he's, he's just very, yeah, I think, flexible in social situations where he can find uh maybe not always fun place to be but at least a place (laughs) totally yeah i think he's also very kind of immediately trusting at times to its disadvantage as (laughs) when he joins kuvira's army and he keeps being like no she's great when he joins the street gangs Mm. in the first season yeah Yeah, so i I think that he's interesting character i I, he definitely was one of the ones i was thinking too as someone who can very much fit in anywhere and wants to fit in anywhere and will kind of be someone who doesn't exactly make waves so that he can fit in places. Mm-hmm. I think another person who's like that, though, in some ways is Uncle Iroh. Hmm. Because he clearly was the general of the army, which would show a very different side of him than we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then he decides to go be exiled with... Zuko mm-hmm. and starts music night on the <laughs> on the ship they're in and he also is a part of the White Lotus mm-hmm. and he 
gets along great in the Earth Nation, where Zuko is having some trouble adjusting, but he's like, ah, I'm just going to work at this tea shop, and now I'm going to start my own tea shop. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And ultimately goes into the spirit world community <laughs> and just hangs out there for all of eternity. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he seems quite adaptable. Definitely. Yeah, I think he... he kind of changes his personality less than Bolin does, but he's clearly comfortable wherever and also charming to whoever, so he can <laughs> be fine in, in almost any environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Aang can do it a little bit too because he can go into the Fire Nation and make friends and have a dance party, but he he wouldn't be comfortable just living in the Fire Nation if he couldn't have covert dance parties, mm. right? <laughs> so it's like he has it a little bit where he can basically make friends anywhere he goes, but he still does have some very core things to who he is that makes it more difficult for him than, I think, both Bolin and um, Iroh in terms of of being able to adapt. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about Aang also, kind of his ability to not only adapt to people, but also to situations where he can go into the library and be respectful to the, the spirit there, or he can talk to Ko and have his face completely blank, <laughs> right? Which is a very not ang type of thing to do. Yeah. And he... Hey, that was amazing. I would not be able to do oh, that. for sure. So I think that even though he definitely likes to bring out his, his kind of wacky, fun personality, he also can fit in with, with most people and in most, most situations. Mm-hmm. Well, what missed opportunity did you bring? So yeah, I was thinking about how I would love to see more community identity. Hmm. Because in like our society, there's all sorts of groups based off of like a shared identity. You know, for example, like black student groups or LGBTQ groups or even like groups for artists. You know, there's all sorts of groups that are based on shared identities of people. And that's what brings them together for support, for activation, for enjoyment of being in that space. And so we don't really get to see that much. Mm -hmm. You do have that with the White Lotus a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? They have some amount of loyalty to each other and some amount of, like, camaraderie based off of their ideals and, like, the way they think about things. And you also have something like the Kyoshi Warriors who seem to have a very unique and strong identity. But we don't necessarily see how others on the island relate to Kyoshi, Mm -hmm. you know, so I just wish we got to see a little bit more of, yeah, community identities, how those are formed and sustained in the series. Yeah, totally. What about you? Yeah, similarly, I would have liked to see in Korra more kind of engagement with how those communities are maintained when cross-cultural marriages and things like that Mm -hmm. start to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Because... Obviously, this is a generation or two removed, but still we have characters who are still within the original nations and possess those bending abilities. And we have Republic City, which really we only see as having an identity that is metropolitan. 
where everyone is welcome and everyone lives here. And they no longer, even though they might have specific bending capabilities, they don't identify as that type of bending. They don't have, wear that cultural garb. They, you know, can join a gang as triple threats where, you know, everyone is welcome and all these other kinds of things. What does that mean for someone who maybe their parents look at Mako and Bolin, for example. I think Bolin's a really good example, actually. But someone whose parents were a firebender and an earthbender, and the, the children are one's a firebender, one's an earthbender, but they're not raised necessarily with anything that shows them as having firebending or earthbending culture. So not only do I think it's really interesting to think of Bolin as a lavabender because he's the child of a firebender and earthbender, which is never really talked about, but I think would be really cool to, to discuss, but what is it like for those who have multiple parents and maybe they grew up with uh, wearing earthbender garb and having earthbender culture, even though they are a waterbender? How those identities exist and how the identity of your culture versus your ability to bend kind of negotiate with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, we have a little bit of it with Inga Katara's kids, where Tenzin is so absorbed and like involved in airbending culture because he has to keep it alive because if he doesn't, nobody will, mm -hmm. right? But then you have Kaya, who Kaya and Bumi aren't even living there with them, even though they grew up there and she is a waterbender and she does wear waterbending clothing and mm -hmm. Tenzin does wear airbending clothing. And so you see a bit of it but you don't even if that was true and they got a little bit more of those cultural aspects because Katara poured more into Kaya and Aang poured more into Tenzin poor Boomy <laughs> yeah but he's <laughs> or, just wearing or Sokka poured into Boomy who knows what's happening but we don't really get to see how yeah that kind of cross-cultural how even when they come together, they're more interacting with each other in terms of, like, sibling relationships mm -hmm. than, like, cultural relationships. Which would make sense because most of the time you are coming from a little bit more of a similar background um, among siblings. But, but yeah, it's it, that is interesting. I mean, and it's interesting because one of my sisters lives in Japan and mm -hmm. she's been there for seven and a half years, I think, and speaks Japanese and teaches there and has Japanese friends and everything and and so she's much more in touch with that side of our racial identity than I am so yeah that would definitely would have been interesting to see yeah yeah you know what also would be really interesting tell me if there was a villain that thrived really on causing divisiveness hmm. between the different identity or bending factions in not, I mean, maybe just in Republic City, or it could be globally. Because as we've seen in our world, century after century after century, identity can be a very big point of contention mm -hmm. and villainizing others. So, yeah, it would be interesting if a villain were to kind of capitalize on that and, like, sow even more discord based off of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many people in Republic City maybe fled there because their village got burned down by the Fire Nation, you right. know? Mm -hmm. And sure, they're living now in a new multicultural city, but that doesn't mean they don't hold a grudge, you know? That doesn't mean that they don't remember what happened. 
Oh, yeah. They they remember what happened. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't blame them. Like, doesn't mean you hate everyone who's a firebender or something like that because of it. But, like, I can understand. There was somebody that I had met and her parents had been she she was quite a bit older than me and her parents had experienced some horrible things under japanese imperialism and um colonization of parts of southeast asia and you know was not a big fan of japan and it's like i understand why there would be lingering feelings of i don't know all sorts of complicated thoughts and especially when when people haven't made official apologies and it makes it, uh, it changes the situation too. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if one of the reasons Republic City has been able to have this kind of sense of multiculturalism without much friction, except between benders and non-benders really, um, but not cultural friction, is because it doesn't have a national identity pre Republic City, or at least that we don't see it. I think it technically was Earth Kingdom territory that the Fire Nation had colonized and then gave up as this, like, new city. But it seems like, because when you think about, when I think about the ongoing process of multiculturalism in cities around the world, so much of, I think, the problems come from this idea of nationalism and of belonging, right? Of mm-hmm. ownership. And obviously, a lot of that is nonsense considering indigenous peoples have been wiped out and dislocated and settler colonialized for centuries but you know we see ideas of white nationalism or anti-immigrant rhetoric that respond to multiculturalism but respond from a place of of kind of ownership if no one has that in republic city does that affect that i i honestly Mm -hmm. just i don't know this Mm -hmm. is less of a takeaway and more of a compelling question i guess Mm -hmm. but uh it's it's just what's on my mind right now what, so you think uh, personhood is more important than belonging to a country with pretty much arbitrary borders and <laughs> <laughs> that are maintained by weapons of mass destruction? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your takeaway? So I guess my takeaway is kind of, when I was thinking about Amon, um, and even when you were talking uh about something, I know it's slipping my mind it probably where it's stemmed from. <laughs> it's just kind of like this idea of like the correlation between identity and agency. Hmm. And it's just something that, yeah, I'm thinking about more because he had some of his agency taken away by his father and that spurred on part of his future building of his identity right mm-hmm. but then he also like was taking Benny away from people which is taking some amount of agency away and that for a lot of those people is taking part of their identity away and then it kind of leads me to think about how that is involved oh yeah that's what you were talking about how Aang is a very specific way except when he's in the avatar state mm-hmm. and how the avatar state affects like agency and identity before he could kind of control it in some ways he was causing a lot of destruction and that was really distressing for him because that was so not him mm-hmm. and so yeah that's a that's an interesting idea if you have all of these pieces of past lives identities all kind of in you how that affects everything yeah, that's a really good question. That would be something that could be a really fun thing to to look at, too. 
next time we do identity in Avatar. <laughs> There's so many things. <laughs> well, why don't you bring up what we'll be talking about next week? Okay, so we're going back to Star Wars, and we are going to be talking about friendship. Aw, friendship and Star Wars. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest, or going to our website at bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines. You can also join our patrons at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines, where you can find all sorts of great extra content and episodes that we make for our patrons. If you want a taste of that, this month we've put out, instead of our five monthly recommendations that just go to our patrons talking about other podcasts, shows, books, activities, other things that we think that people should look into and, and try to do. We have put some of those out there for everyone for uh, in particular things that they can do while they're isolated in this uh, trying time with COVID-19. So you can find that on our Patreon. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pestel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out! out.